Welcome back to iGen Politics. This is a podcast that makes politics engaging and relevant for all generations. This is Victor Shi, who is a Gen Zer, and I'm from the other generation, Jill Wine Banks. And today's hashtag Jill's pin is a dollar sign because we have a wonderful economist, Paul Krugman, with us today to talk about that aspect of today's world. Yeah, on nearly every economic indicator, our economy is doing historically well. Unemployment is at a 50-year low. Inflation is cooling. Consumer confidence is rising. The stock market has broken several records. And much of this is thanks to President Biden's policies that have shifted power away from the richest Americans to empower the middle class and those with the fewest resources. And adjusted for inflation, most workers' wages have gone up. But even with so much good news, President Biden faces a persistent problem. People remain pessimistic. They are not feeling the successes of our economy. And even those who do don't attribute the successes to President Biden. What will it take to change that? Luckily, we have the perfect person to help us answer those questions. We are honored to have the incomparable Paul Krugman for the second time as our guest today. He is a distinguished economist, a winner of the Nobel Prize for Economics. He has written numerous economic books and textbooks and has taught economics at very outstanding schools like MIT and Princeton. Additionally, Paul is a frequent guest on every television station and a um, columnist, of course, for the New York Times, where he um, writes about the economy and we will talk to him today about all the things that Biden has done, could do, and how to get him credit for it. Paul, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks. Great to be on again. Thank it you so much. That's our pleasure. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. We um, have a lot to talk about. And let's start by talking about the economy and, and a piece that you recently wrote about how America is on the mend. Can you talk to us about what you're looking at that, that suggests that we are on the mend and sort of how our America kind of country is looking right now? Okay. I mean, there are two, you know, there's one economic indicator, which is you know, we're all, we, we spent a lot of the last few years uh, very concerned about inflation. And all indications are that the whole inflation thing has, you know, hugely receded. Um, it's a, uh, it, you you want to look a little bit past the usual numbers. It's although those those are looking pretty good too. But you know, consumer price inflation over the past year doesn't fully capture just how good things are. You want things to look like uh, our core personal consumption expenditures deflator over the past six months, or the New York Fed's multivariate core, whatever. You know, the the various things that try to capture where, where are we cutting through the noise, all say that basically the war on inflation is over and we won. Um, so that's a really big thing. Um, the other thing that really went quite wrong for a while was crime. We did, in fact, have a genuine crime wave uh, in in 2020 and into 2021, probably because of uh, the social dislocation from the pandemic. And that has receded incredibly. Again, um, homicides are not quite back but they homicides are plunging and violent crime in general is actually lower than it was before the pandemic. So we're, uh, you know, a lot of the things that people were saying, well, America is not in great shape have gone away. And in many respects, we look like, you know, we're basically we're back, baby. Right. So why is it that the American public doesn't 
feel that? Why do they still keep feeling basically depressed about the economy, even though all the numbers really do show and all the serious economic commentators tell us that everything is fine again? I, I, you know, I, like like a lot of people, I, I may have been one of the first people to point out that there was a really growing disconnect between the, the economic numbers and what we were seeing in economic sentiment. Um, and one thing that you probably should start with is to say just how partisan attitudes about the economy and crime too, but especially about the economy have become. So we have some data, it depends on you know, there are different surveys, but we have some data that where you can break out attitudes about the economy by self-identified Republicans and Democrats, and they're in different universes. Uh, Democrats, you know, obviously, if you talk to a Democrat on the street, they'll say, oh, you know, groceries cost a lot more than they used to. But Democratic attitudes about the economy are actually uh, largely recovered. The people are not feeling down if they if they say they're Democrats. Um, Republicans, uh, you know, treat the economy as if it was uh, their attitudes are, um, in general, putting the current economy on a par with uh, the depths of the the Great Recession, or or with the economy back in 1980 when we had 12 percent inflation and and uh, uh, you know 78 percent unemployment. So uh, a lot of it is simply. A lot of people who say the economy is lousy, what they're really saying is, I hate the idea that a Democrat is president. Um, and um, then, you know, then the rest is more speculative, but we're one possibility also is just the people's reference point. Economists like to look at inflation over the past year, or particularly when you're trying to assess trends in the economy, you want to look at like the past six months. Um, people's sense of what things ought to cost uh, reaches farther back than that, maybe two years or, or more. And so if you look at you know, inflation has come, has really plunged since early to 2023, which means that inflation over the past two or three years still looks elevated. And that may be having a negative effect on people's perceptions. Between those two things, I don't think, I, I, I at the moment, I've been actually working on this. I think that the partisan aspect is probably the biggest one, but those are the two reasons mainly why people say negative stuff. Because you know, actually adjusted for inflation, prices aren't that bad. And Well, the price, I mean, prices adjusted for inflation, of course, by definition, uh, uh, but no, adjusted for wage growth, you know, yeah. mo most people have, uh, uh, have if if we go back to you know to the eve of the pandemic, and it's, it's really it, it this it's just very difficult to peer through the fog of what was going on in in between because so many crazy things were happening. But we compare now with the end of 2019, most people's wages have comfortably outpaced inflation. That's very interesting. You know, and, and you've been one of the economists who I think has gotten a lot of what we're seeing now correct. But a lot of economists and pundits around the country, like you said, were predicting that we would be facing a recession by now. But the reality suggests the far opposite. I'm wondering what you think they got wrong or they didn't see. And um, what are the economic indicators you think um, economists and pundits and just the larger public should be paying attention to right now? OK, so there First of all, it, on terms of recession calls, you know, um, economists have a perfect track record. Uh, they have never succeeded in calling a recession. It's a, and that's kind of, 
that's kind of um, understandable because um, in a way, if, if everybody really knew that a recession was around the corner, it would happen already. You know, it, it's a, it, it's a, it, almost always a recession comes either from something you weren't paying attention to or something that you didn't think was going to be as bad as it turned out to be. And so they come as a surprise. Um, what was happening before, what was happening in, uh, uh, you know, as, as early as, you know, a year ago, uh, was that a lot of economists were saying we're going to need a lot of high unemployment to control inflation because that's what happened uh, after the inflation of the 1970s. And they were extrapolating from that experience. And the trouble with history is it doesn't necessarily repeat very well. And that was, a, it was just a bad analogy. There, you know, there were, there were reasons for people to make that, but I was, I was, I was a little bit shocked at how much people said, oh, what we have right now is just like 1980, because there were lots of ways in which it was obvious that, that it wasn't. So I want to go back to this question of sort of how and why and what could be done to communicate to the public how much better off they are now than they think they are, not just how much better off they are factually, but what's missing in the communications? Well, I'm not sure that there's, I mean, there is a problem. It's uh, uh, certainly for politicians, and I can say from personal experience, you know, nothing saying, you know, actually your income has has risen faster than inflation and inflation is way down. That's a very good way to get people really angry at you. It's not a it's not a winning it's not a winning uh debating strategy. Um so the administration, you know, that of course will boast about what it's done, how things have gone as as they should, and that will uh uh you know that that that's fine, but it's uh, I don't know if there's any magic way to turn it around. Um the it may make a little bit more sense. Well, I, to uh, to uh, lean at least a little bit on news media. There is some evidence that news reporting has been um, much more negative than the economic fundamentals warrant in a way that was not true in the past. There, there's actually quantitative evidence on that, um, and but I think a lot a lot rests on. Um, Decision makers, who who are not, uh, not not the government, but uh, who's who's who who by acting as if inflation as if things are good, um, make it credible to the public that things are good. So, uh, Federal Reserve, when when the Federal Reserve cuts rates, it will be a really big deal, uh, even though the markets have pretty much priced that in already. But the public doesn't know that. So when uh, when Jerome Powell says, uh, you know, in appropriately circumspect uh, language, that we're cutting interest rates because inflation appears to be contained, um, that will be a big signal. There'll be a lot of headlines. You know, Fed says inflation is under control, and people will, I think, start to see it. Um, to a certain extent, um, I mean, people pay attention to the stock market far more than they should. You know, most people don't actually have very much at stake in the market, but they take it as a signal. And the fact that stock, you know, stocks are up because 
long-term interest rates are down and long-term interest rates are down because people think the Fed's going to cut because they think inflation is under control. That actually makes a difference. And interest rates that matter directly to people, mortgage rates have been coming down. Uh, essentially because inflation is coming down and that will matter. But, you know, if you say what if that, if only we had a more persuasive uh, president or if only the White House ran better ads that everything would degrade, I'm, I don't think there's any magic bullet for that. What What do you think of their term? And it seems like they've shifted away from the term in recent months, but of Bidenomics and, you know, changing what, what Reaganomics once was into something positive for Democrats. Is that a re resonant term, do you think? Well, it obviously wasn't work. It wasn't working really well, um, and you know, red people stayed resolutely uh, pessimistic, even though uh, there was a lot to be. You know, there's a lot to be said. Uh, you know, Bidenomics is a real thing, um, but it's uh, and it's it's more than just you know inflation and unemployment. Bidenomics is uh, a much bigger role of the government as a. Uh, you know, directing investment, uh, green energy, and all of that. Um, there's a lot to be said for it, but it, it may be that there's just uh, uh, the populace is too cynical, uh, you know, these days for that to work. But so maybe trying to say, look, look at look at how great Bidenomics is is not a great strategy. But saying, hey, uh, the economy you know, is doing well, and I, I don't. You don't give up the term uh, because that would be admitting that there was something wrong with Bidenomics. But, uh, you know, again, it, advertising, advertising slogans don't really uh, don't really seem to make that much difference. So I, I want to go to I follow you on Twitter on X and you recently X'd or tweeted um, something about the results of the positive and negative polling and opinions, positive economic shock. Um, could you talk more about that? Because I found that very interesting. Okay, I'm not sure which which tweet, and you know, I I've been reluctant. Most of what I put up, the by the way, is on alternatives. You know, so there's threads and there's blue sky, but now I actually generally triple post. I'm also posting on <laughs> X as well. But, uh, so I'm not entirely sure which which one that was. I mean, um, one of the things I did that got um, quite a lot of reaction. Um, was to say that you know people who say that there's something mysterious about this fall in inflation, with uh, the economy continuing to grow, uh, that it isn't. It's it, it is exactly what textbook economics uh, would predict if what we're seeing, as I believe we are, is the you know, the economy finally getting its act together after the disruptions from COVID. Uh, and to illustrate that, I said, you know, this is textbook economics. Here, let me show you a uh, uh, a diagram from a one of the leading economics textbooks, which happens to be the one that I co-wrote with Robin Wells. And, and I'll uh, tell you that I um, read my macro class. Yeah. So Krugman Wells, seventh edition, uh, on its way to a uh, a bookstore and a, a digital site near you, um, has a, a picture of negative and positive um, aggregate supply shocks. And what we what we're experiencing now is you know overwhelmingly what we can see happening very clearly is that there was a lot there was a lot of discombobulation caused by covid covid um you know, had it led to um uh uh supply chain issues uh, you know ships ships uh, uh cruising back and forth outside the port of los angeles unable to dock uh it led to a lot of 
labor force disruption. People were buying different things. People wanted to uh, do stuff. So there was a you know, there was a lot of churn in labor markets and uh, with with companies reporting uh, difficulty hiring workers. All of that stuff has subsided now because we've had time to adjust to this new reality. And you can really see that in the in pricing. You can really see that that um, the we're right back on the kind of inflation that you would expect otherwise, given given the current unemployment rate and everything else. So I, I want to go back to um, you mentioned the sort of negative um, headlines that we're seeing from the media, and you're someone yeah. who you're not a part of sort of the reporting side, but you're part of the opinion side. Why do you think that is? Because, you know, I can only imagine when Trump's economy was doing well, you had right wing outlets like Fox really be the first ones to give Trump the credit and they were really loud and vocal about it. Why don't you think maybe like MSNBC or The New York Times gives President Biden the credit that I think he deserves around the economy? Well, first of all, no, they're not. My employer is not like Fox. Uh, It is not a partisan uh, a political outlet, and, you know, Fox is is there. Uh, you know, they uh, they do some real reporting, but it's all in service of a political cause, and that's not how that's not that's not the model for for the Times or MSNBC. Um, they're um, and if anything, uh, what I would say is, look, there, there's very effective um, pressure. The the uh, Say something uh, favorable about the Biden administration, and you will get uh, you you will get enormous quantities of hate mail. I mean, I, I uh, it's actually funny. They I get you know I, I I'm the king of hate mail, um, but I get the most hate mail when I say something uh, about uh, receding inflation or uh, you know generally about about um, kind of right-wing orthodoxy on economics being wrong uh, much more than that than i get when i say something like uh well donald trump tried to overthrow democracy it's it's people get really and and journalists you know respond to that um most journalists in mainstream media probably are in fact uh centrist or center-left democrats fundamentally uh they they probably are uh relatively liberal um they're desperately afraid of being accused of liberal bias. And so they bend over backwards. You see this all the time. They bend over backwards to to, uh, avoid saying uh, nice things about Democrats and uh, to avoid saying uh, bad things about Republicans. So why aren't Democrats getting angry? I mean, it's and it's not just on the economy that we see this. President Biden gave a terrific speech to open the campaign, uh, talking about January 6th. And the headlines were all about Trump and what he was doing. I mean, people said, well, it's a good speech, but look at what Trump. And and so they're not giving equal time or fair coverage to the economy and to other issues related to the successes of the Biden administration. And that troubles me. Yeah, it is. It's the thing is, um, unfortunately, uh, there is, for one thing, it's a personality type issue, right? If you're uh, uh, in in America in 2024, people who are angry and and uh, and likely to uh, 
send threatening letters and so on are much more likely uh, to be on the right than on the left. It's not it's not completely true. I mean, it happens on both sides, but it's uh, but uh, by and large, there is a just people are angrier on on the right and and much more organized to express their anger, which then influences the coverage. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, um, and partly I just think that after, at this point, it's almost like a reflex. I mean, it, it's at this point, the, a lot of mainstream media have internalized, um, being, uh, even handed regardless of the reality that it's, it's a, almost like a nervous tick. I mean, I've fairly often seen. Uh, headlines on mainstream media uh, outlets where the initial headline is outrageously uh, diffident about pointing out, you know, the bad stuff happening uh, on the Trump side or good stuff happening on on the um, on on Biden's side, and then they they do get a wave of protests from readers, and you can watch online that the headline um, that it goes up when the article goes up has been changed to something much closer to the truth six hours later. Uh, and that there's a process going on there. Somebody, you know, they're, they're, they're getting, um, they, they are getting mail. They are getting the uh, protests. Um, uh, but still it's, I mean, it's a kind of a running joke uh, among people. I talk to correspond that they, when they're, you know, the uh, uh, excellent job report, here's why that's bad for Biden. You know, that that's the, uh, that's the the way that the, the reporting tends to go. You know, and of course the reporting exacerbates why it would be bad because they keep saying it's bad. And and it's interesting, particularly because politically, congressional Republicans are trying to take credit for the economy and for all these. They're taking credit for things they voted against. And yes. it 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 and then even maybe pushing it to, oh, it's really all because Trump did something. Um is there any well, Trump Trump has gone and said that the reason the stock market is up is because people are expecting him to be returned to office <laughs> which I would say you know I, you you laugh and I think that's ridiculous I, I would think that somebody who is that you know uh uh ridiculous would just be laughed out of public life but apparently that's not how it works mm -hmm. you know it's in that vein of how Republicans are sort of shifting the narrative on our economy, there's, I, I feel like there's been a long held perception that Republicans, you know, favor the wealthy and the data supports that and suggests that the Democrats are the ones who help our economy to grow for the benefit of the middle and lower classes. But Republicans just always spin that narrative. I'm wondering just what is your assessment when it comes to how Republicans handle the economy versus Democrats? Okay. Uh, first thing to say is most of the time, uh, who the party that holds the White House or even controls Congress doesn't have that much impact, at least on the short run of the economy. You know, the the the, the uh, except in exceptional circumstances, uh, the Federal Reserve, which is quasi-independent and 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 act, in practice pretty nonpartisan, um, is you know actually makes those decisions. Now we've had a lot of exceptional circumstances lately, and uh, there's no question that. Uh, uh, well, the you know, we I we actually did a terrific job, I think, of handling COVID. When all is said and done, you know, we had this enormously disruptive, um, uh, you know, thing that 
that 25 million people lost their jobs in a matter of weeks um, and could have led to enormous hardship. We stepped in with really two big aid packages and a bunch of smaller ones, one under Trump, but it was bipartisan and it was actually written by Democrats and then one under a second one under Biden. And we got through it all with minimal financial hardship. Um, we had a burst of inflation, which didn't last. And, uh, you know, we, we recovered from the, the, uh, from the slump such as it was much, much faster than from the previous one. Um, so that's, that's a case of, I would say that those were fundamentally democratic policies. Now, Trump did sign the first bill, uh, the CARES Act, um, but it's, uh, it was because there was no alternative. And if you look at you know, who actually drafted the key provisions, it was it was it was Democrats. So um, other than that, well, Republicans are always cutting taxes at the top and trying to cut benefits that uh, that uh, go to uh, people who are on, who have fallen on hard times. And and Democrats do the reverse. Uh, it's clear there's clearly a. A lot you can see there, and it, I don't think it's a coincidence that U.S. inequality um, really took off. We were a relatively middle class society, and then we became started to become increasingly unequal, starting in uh, well, just about the time that Ronald Reagan took office. And that's that is that is uh, it's hard to trace exactly one for one which policies did that, but but it's certainly not accidental. But it does sound like. Um, you would agree with us that President Biden's handling of the economy is good and that the democratic policies would better serve the majority of Americans. Yeah. And so the, the question is, one, do you agree with that? And two, if you do, how can Democratic Party members and candidates get voters to understand that they will benefit if Democrats retain power in Congress and the White House? Well, um, yes, I think the policies have been, you know, very good. The, uh, the critiques, people, you know, people warned that, that Biden's plans would cause inflation. And we did, in fact, have a burst of inflation, but so did everybody else. The U.S. inflation yeah. has been almost identical to inflation in the European Union, for example. Um, uh, and meanwhile, we've had a we had a solid economic recovery. The warnings that inflation would become entrenched and hard to get rid of turned out to be false. Uh, so the policy in retrospect looks very much like what you would have called for, which, you know, that you can critique details, but fundamentally we did, we did the right thing. Um, now in terms of um, selling it, uh, you know, one thing you can, yeah, it, of course, if, if there's good news, uh, uh, you know, talk about it. Don't 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 be shy about saying that stuff has gone well. Don't be shy about pointing to the new factories that have opened because of uh, Biden policies. Um, but also um, talk about uh, what the other guys will do if they can. I mean, uh, the uh, uh, Republicans will still uh, they will kill Obamacare. Uh, in a flash, if they can, um, and uh, you know they came very close to doing that in 2017, which was wildly unpopular. People, um, 
the Democrats won big in the 2018 midterms in large part in the backlash against the attempt to to kill Obamacare and take away a lot of people's health insurance. Uh, I don't think that I don't think it should be hard to make the case. I mean, among other things, uh, uh, the uh, uh, you can quote them themselves. You know, you can quote Trump uh, saying that he he will kill Obamacare and then say, well, he says he's going to come up with something much better. And he's had uh, about six years to do that. And there's still nothing there's still nothing on the table. So um, I think that's a fair uh, you know, they, I, it, in some ways, I have to say, I'm, unfortunately, I think uh, fear may be a better tool than hope at this point. Interesting. You know, the last time we had you on, um, we talked about your latest book, Arguing with Zombies, which is a great read. And the entire uh, part of the, the um, point of that book was try to really make readers into intelligent consumers of you know, the daily news, our economy. I'm just wondering sort of how you approach economic news and what you look for and what you would tell our readers at this moment right now when there is a lot of misinformation about our economy. What should readers and people who are just reading the news be looking out for um, with with sort of our economic news? Okay. Now, they, you know, I have a little bit of the problem. You know, there there's a lot of film critics who are actually not as helpful as you'd like because they've watched too many films, and so they're, they're they they think too much, and you know they they're kind of overloaded and have a hard time um, figuring out what will make sense to to people who who aren't watching three movies a, a day. Um, and uh, so I'm I sometimes have problems. I, I as do lots of my colleagues uh, in communicating because you spend too much time immersed in it you know if you just like if you say well you know the uh the fed's preferred measure of inflation is the core personal consumption expenditures deflator uh and people will basically normal normal people will say what and uh um so but so you do want to look for good uh reporting you do there's unfortunately you're not Realistically, if you're a normal human being, even an extremely smart normal human being, you're not going to be able to parse the latest economic report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics and know what it means. Uh, so you're going to have to find people uh, doing commentary. Now, I will say that um, the I think the quality of economic reporting has gotten uh, a lot better. Uh, over my over my career in journalism, it's way better than it was twenty years ago. Um, but don't do what a lot of people do, which is go by the headline. Uh, you know, read the whole thing because uh, often the real story, and that's part of what we were talking about before. But uh, often the real story about what was what's actually happening, particularly if it's good news for for Democrats, uh, the real story is kind of like in paragraph twenty seven. And so you you probably do need to actually read your way through. It's uh, um, and then um, well, what can I say? Look, look at uh, do try to find people commentary from people who who seem calm. You know, if if there's a, I know I don't always, but uh, the kind of hysterical. Uh, you know, a few months ago we had one of the periodic outbreaks of the the dollar is doomed and um which you know i can go through all the reasons why that was silly but mainly if you, you if you have somebody who is constantly 
um, telling stories of doom uh, or constantly talking about how idiotic or stupid the, the uh, policymakers are, um, that's probably somebody not to listen to. Try to find the, the calmer sources and then just uh, look. Um, uh, New York Times, uh, I, you know, I can't... Uh, I guess I couldn't tell you if it was if it was really terrible, but it isn't. The, the economics reporting is fine, except that I think the the like I said, a lot of the important stuff gets buried fairly deep inside. So read a little bit further. Skimming the front page is not is not going to give you what you need to know. That is great advice, I would say, um, especially because I don't think people realize that the headline writers aren't the same as the reporters or columnists. Um, who yeah, that's a very big issue, and it's it, in fact it's and the uh, the social media posters yes. uh, are often even worse, you know. So if you see a uh, okay, we're still unfortunately stuck to some extent using Twitter. If you see a tweet, um, even if it's coming from CNN or something like that, um, the person writing the tweet is probably twenty eight years old. Uh, not deeply versed in the subject, uh, often, you know, um, so yeah, it's, uh, um, it, it, and headlines. Yeah. I mean, I get to write my own headlines, uh, but, uh, but that's absolutely unique to, uh, I, I believe to opinion writers. Uh, uh, so, uh, and the headlines are often very, very misleading. Well, I think that is great. Uh, that is a great way to end this um, episode. You know, don't read the headlines. Go go deeper into the article. Be smart consumers of the media and the news. Um, Paul, you help us understand the economy so well. Thank you so much for joining us today to talk about it. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks everyone for watching or listening to this episode of iGen Politics. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of iGen Politics. But in the meantime, we hope you'll subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or if you want to watch us on YouTube, you can do that as well at youtube.com slash Politicon. Be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks everyone for watching or listening, and we will see you next week. Looking forward to seeing you next week.